The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. It is indeed the Tea Health Show, and in studio we have Dr. Mark. And welcome, Mark. Hi, Chris. Um, it's good to be back. I was on holiday for a while, so and he's looking week. tanned and fit and gorgeous and all of the right things. So it's it's just what the doctor ordered, so to speak. So. We are going to continue along the theme of female sexual health. Um, Very we, important. Uh, yeah. Sister Elise and I. Hello, Elisa. Morning. Um, Hello. We had uh, we did a show a couple of weeks ago on the female orgasm, and you know the response that we got was so overwhelming. Well, it's a, it's it's something that's not often spoken about. It's not part of our common discourse. So I think that's why it's so important that we do speak about it. Absolutely. Um, so we've decided to continue along this theme. Elise, um, prior to the show, and Chris and I have always said that sometimes you actually we need to record uh, what we say off air yeah. and, and people should hear that. So I'm going to start with a couple of st- statistics. 40% of women at some point in their lives will have some form of sexual dysfunction. The statistics in the States are that 50% of all women have sexual dysfunction. I actually think that in South Africa, the statistic might be a little bit higher. I don't think um, we can clarify that or quantify that because we are always at the back door where studies are being done. And because we are a conservative, and I'm talking about different ethnics, different cultures, etc. Conservative rainbow nation. We will really battle to get that statistics. So let's actually just quickly go into what sexual dysfunction or sexual female disorder actually is. Um, so it's it's something where there are various ways in which women cannot have or do not have the way to sexual relationships and sexual pleasure that they would like. Now, these include three main things. We call it psychosocial somatic. Psycho, which means brain function, thinking, mood, um, anxiety around that, etc., etc. Um, somatic, where we're talking about the physical body, and then social, because as you just said, um, social circumstances, social stature, uh, religious beliefs, etc., etc., will play a role Upbringing. here. Upbringing. So, um, It's interesting that female sexual disorder is a growing problem. It's getting more Mm. and more prevalent. Um, And it affects so many things. As a woman, um, you know what, I can't, I can't. Speak. I'm a big girl, but you know, it only only in the metaphorical sense. So it affects self-esteem, uh, well-being, and you know what we we spoke about this a little bit earlier. But well-being in both partners, um, and therefore also quality of life. 
Absolutely. My, my thoughts go back to, um, and I'm coming out of a very conservative Afrikaans home. Um, it was never a topic of discussion. You don't even mention it. Not and even I, to your mother. Not even to your mother. Not your even older to sisters. your sister. You had to wait for your older sister to have a menstrual period to learn from her how to handle it, how, what's happening in your body. Not what's happening in your body on how to handle the the pads that had the garter around your middle and you hook the two loops yeah. around it and that was in our days and how to dispose of it, etc. So that's how, and you just have to watch her because you don't talk about it as well. And this was not something... Obviously not talked about at school Never Never It was Today I'm, I realize there is a, um, Education around these topics For the kids Which sometimes Freaks me out still To think Are they mature enough To hear this And, and work with What they are hearing Yeah So in those days There wasn't Sexual up um, education for anybody that's, that's, There was books um, But you couldn't you, you had to take them out of a library Without anyone seeing Yeah, And if you had a more liberal aunt She will buy it from CNA and In a brown paper, paper bag In a brown paper bag And in the book's name was What any girl should know Or what elke dochter moet weet Of sien, want die sien of sien. I didn't get a book like that <laughs> I learned from my barber okay, My so friend had one and I was very jealous of <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's talk about the prevalence And this is Chris, this is a shocking statistic 40 to 65 percent of women Have Sexual dysfunction in one form or another. Sorry, just 40 to 65 percent. 40 to 65 percent of women. Now, unfortunately, wow. this gets worse. For, for our listeners out there who are older, after the age of 65 into your late 70s, this, 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 this oh, God, I can't the say that statistic. Word. That one. <laughs> um, the statistic mm. goes up to 88% of women. Now, the problem is that a lot of women postmenopausal are in good, healthy relationships. Um, Define that. <laughs> <laughs> where sex should still be playing a big role. Um, you know, sex is healthy for us. Firstly, sex is healthy for us. Um, yeah. And, you know, but it should be part of your normal healthcare routine. We spoke about it, and uh, we're going to introduce a special guest uh, in a few minutes. Um, we spoke about it that... We don't have the language. The man in the street do not have the language to speak to their partners because they don't have an understanding. Mm. They 
do not speak to their clinicians, their doctors, their nurses, their caregivers. Um, one, it's embarrassing. Two, the, the doctor who is supposed to listen feels embarrassed or gets embarrassed or have... Or simply doesn't have the time. Or, you know what, or, or actually shares different, a, a different you, belief system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's quite sad. One of the things that we're not doing is we're not speaking about it. And I want to go to historical data in the um, Victorian era. Mm. And up to now, for many centuries, Christianity, and I think not only Christianity, but a few other I religions. Think, I think the main, uh, uh, the Judeo-Christian ethics and, and, and possibly even the, 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 the Muslim uh, or Islamic religions as well have very tight control over this. Yes. The teachings was that any kind of sexual activity other than for the region of procreation is sinful. Mm. Um, you know what, and that, that puts such a constraint on it. And Elise, I think it I comes back to back. our upbringing. Yeah, I also want to go back, um, on, on the positive side, and I'm saying this in inverted commas. Um, you can engage in sex if you're in a relationship, etc., etc. That's where we talk about the religions. If you do it without being in a stable relationship, marriage, etc., it's usually clandestine. And that's where the misconception comes nowadays as well. Is look, listen, we're talking of years and centuries ago about the harems. Mm, mm. Um, you know, people were enslaved to go into a harem. And that's not centuries ago, Elise. It's happening all over the world still today yeah. with with trafficking and that sort of thing. Person yeah. trafficking. So what I, why I'm bringing this up mm. is it's a natural. Action, it's like you say, it's it's healthy. It's but because the the society say um, different religions that it's not acceptable acceptable because the Bible says so. It's clandestine. The pleasure of it mm-hmm. of having it is clandestine. So you know what this brings us around to in a roundabout way to our topic. A woman's journey to orgasm, um, because it is a journey. Um, yep. In in our in our discussion that we had on the female orgasm, one of the things that surprised me. Sorry, you know what? Uh, the first time I masturbated, I it was great and it's nice. I, I want to do it again. Um, for women, it's different. It's a learned experience. Correct. And I think this is where our teachings, our lack of communication to our daughters um, is a problem. Um, you know, it educate that you have to explore your body. Um, find out how it functions, sure. what it's there for. But we all know... Um if you go and look at, at a children's development, a child's development, you there's an experimental stage where you discover all your body parts. And in that experimental phase is where the 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 girls in the family are very protected 
and watched And it also comes with the history Of child abuse Of um, Uncles, cousins, whatever That fiddles with The girls in the families And then there was that Overprotection from parents Or caregivers To watch out If, if this girl touches her genitals Somebody did Fiddle there with her You know it's not a normal experimental thing And I think that's where it all started with You're not allowed to touch there So you can't learn how your body works And then we sit with women In um, your your later years And I'm talking about late teens, early 20s That starts with sex, sexual dysfunction Because there wasn't that period Where they had to Really go and find their way What's going on with their bodies mm. uh, This is where the psych- psychology Part of sexual dysfunction Comes in and you know what um, In sexual dysfunction We have three distinct um, Differences There's the female sexual um, Interest And arousal disorder And I, I think this is where this one comes in um, Then there's The hypo um, Sexual uh, desire disorder uh, You know it, it sounds exactly As if They're the same They overlap But with the one There's more of a Psychological part The other one It's a um, physical. A physical part With hypersexual Desire disorder mm. Mm. Um, With female sexual Interest disorder it's it's the higher function that comes in, and that's the negative connectivities Correct. to 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 sex, to masturbation, to the body. Um, it's quite interesting that we see when women hook up with a partner for the first time, they have. A 32% chance of achieving an orgasm. Okay. When that they broken down, that statistic? Yeah. So when they stay with the same partner, after the sixth sexual experience, 55% of them will achieve orgasm. So this is again that learned mm. experience mm. and actually what's even more important is that this takes practice. Achieving an orgasm takes practice. Um this unlike where the honeymoon comes. Well yes, but you know but we are again we are bombarded with social media Correct. with um, movies where uh, b- these people achieve orgasm in the first 36 Against seconds. The wall. Um, you know what? <laughs> and simultaneously. <laughs> you know what? Come on, guys. This, it, it doesn't work like that. I've only had, uh, I think I can count on one hand, the amount of Dumb times. Color. <laughs> that I managed to have uh, a simultaneous no, absolutely um, hardly ever happens orgasm yeah. and yeah okay we'll leave it there <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's got to do with a method <laughs> so both Chris and I are silent <laughs> very silent so um there's, there's a very, very big difference between men and women. Mm. 
Women crave intimacy. But intimacy is is so broadly defined. And versus Elise, I I want us to explore and and go into in a bit more depth. As a woman, or actually as a person, you need to give yourself permission Mm. to experience your own sexuality in whatever form it's about hey i i acknowledge and i accept and i want yeah exactly to have pleasurable physical encounters not just a task when you when you involve your partner in this, your connection deepens and the bond gets stronger. Yeah. Okay, but you're talking about communicate as well. Well, you know what? Communicate first with yourself. Yes. Um, accept. Um, demand. Um, Fall in love with yourself a little bit. Don't be turned Elise, off by yourself. Elise, always when we, when we and um, Renee, we're going to bring you in right now. Um, one of the things that Elise always says when she when she has a patient is, "I'm going to. Sh- you need to start loving mm. yourself and mm. love yourself down there." Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's not only down there, it's so many other things. Um, it's an interesting thing that orgasms get better as we get older. Oh, yes. They also get more plentiful. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was too soft. <laughs> um, a higher Starts percentage. Starts off soft, Elise, and get builds, I promise you. <laughs> a higher percentage of older women would experience or would have experienced an orgasm during their last sexual experience than younger women. It's also very interesting. It's a learned experience. It's a learned experience. And um, before we bring Renee in, because Renee, this was a direct thing that happened in your relationship, is that sexual dysfunction causes a breakdown in relationship because it affects the well-being of both partners it's very interesting that one of the leading causes of female sexual dysfunction in an age group 40 to 55 is male sexual or erectile dysfunction when a man can't get an erection we get embarrassed and we become anxious, and what we do is we avoid the process, and, and we project because and or, or uh, the, our partners internalize that and saying exactly I, I am unattractive, and that's why it's and happening. that is the psychological cause of and Renee is nodding her head. That's the psychological cause of female sexual dysfunction. Mm. So um, we are we are incredibly. Fortunate to have one of our patients, Renee, um, with us. Renee, this is your journey. This was your 
journey that you've taken so far and your journey is continuing. First of all, welcome. And thank you. Good morning. Yes, well, very nice to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. Um, <laughs> Renee, tell us about why you you and your husband, because you guys came together. I, I clearly remember um, you coming into our office as a couple. Yes. We initially came to you um, uh, really because it was an energy problem. It, was, it, had not, it wasn't for sex. It had nothing to do with the, with the fact that we wanted to better our sexual relationship. It was a fact that he was overworked, um, stressed, so he had a lack of energy. Uh, and for me, also a lack of energy. Um, I couldn't find the motivation to go to the gym. Um, so it was really just for that. But the added bonus was that you were able to go deeper and find the things that were lacking. What were they? And, and, and you know, it, it's when you say something was lacking, what was lacking for you in your life? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so obviously, you know, a lot of women are career-orientated, so they look down on women that stay at home. So. You know, you don't really look like a person that's motivated or have any kind of ambition, ambition in life. Exactly. Um, where it's not that, where it's my, my focus was my family. I always said, I want to make sure my husband is happy, my children are happy, and they can have the absolute best of, of what mom can absolutely give them. Um, a teacher can't give them that. A friend can't give them that. Mom's going to give them that. So I was always putting myself on the back burner. Mm. So, you know... Um, as much as you would think about it, you wouldn't really give it much notice. Um, but that was not the real reason that I came to you. It wasn't at all for for the sex side of it. So um, it was just when you did the blood test, I was like shocked when you said to me, I'm postmenopausal. Here I am, a 47-year-old woman, and I'm postmenopausal. Okay. I was really shocked. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's obviously something that you, you don't, think you can have at that age i mean i still get my menstruation every month what's wrong it can't be how's that possible um but yes um i know that sexually we were lacking but we weren't really giving that much attention anymore Mm. Um, because it's been going on, on for, for so long. It yes. became so, part of your relationship, yeah. but exactly. it didn't happen. Yes. So it's, it's unfortunately, that's the natural progression Absolutely. in relationships. Mm. Um, you know, it, uh, there's, there's the physical, passionate side when, when we just uh, start um, being together. And over time, you know, it, that becomes... Um, Less, uh, I think it's a problem. Um, it's very interesting when we look at uh, studies. All studies suggest bring novelty back into a relationship. But I, I, I mean, just uh, picking, especially in the sexual relationship. But but I'm sort of picking up on what Renee's been saying, and and I mean, the family starts taking precedence. External career starts taking precedence. There's so, and you, as you said it yourself, you put yourself on the back burner. Mm. You, you, you know, and so all of those things, the family is first. You, you, mm. you can't have a 
date night because you've got to go and fetch the kids at this time and that time. You know, everything takes over. Yes. And, and it's, 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 it's a problem. And, and we need to make time for our relationships because in 18 or 20 short years, and they are short years, suddenly it's the two of you again yes. and you strangers. And yes. that's exactly what happened with exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I want to throw just a, a little stone into a bush here. Um, I take issue with people that think stay at home moms, partners uh, have no ambition. For me, behind every successful person, 100%. there's a successful wife. 100%. Um, and a wife is that person that allows you mm. to do what you do. Um, to the best of your ability 100%. By taking away all the other crap exactly. my, If I didn't have my partner um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do Yes So um, I hear you know, that but often. Screw those people that that look down on you Because mm. uh, your husband Will not be the successful person That he is yes. If it wasn't for you creating that environment Absolutely mm. absolutely, And your kids as well I mean you create the environment for your you kids know, I mean, it, it, It's so true I mean you encounter young men Or girls today And I hear so many people say to me Um you know, we can't have a conversation with an 18 or 20-year-old these days. they like almost dismissive towards um, older people. Mm. Where I constantly have compliments with my children. They're always telling me how fantastic these boys are. And, you know, I'm so used to seeing them every single day. You know, I can see the faults. So, <laughs> And I point them out. <laughs> they always tell me, oh, mom, please. So anyway, um, that's besides the point. So... But what I want to get back to is many years ago, um, after my kids were born, so, you know, the youngest is almost 20. So 20, about 19 years ago, I would go to my gynecologist and I would say to him, you know, I have no sexual desire, nothing. And, you know, my husband is so patient. I really is sweet, fantastic. I can't complain. And... um the doctor said to me, no, it's in my head. Okay, so now you think, now you're really going, oh, okay, what's wrong with me? What's mm. wrong with me? Because I never had an orgasm. I only had an orgasm, like maybe four months ago, was my first wow. orgasm ever. She's still glowing late. <laughs> yes, I am. So my poor husband, now he's like, he's got to bat me off, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't now. I don't have time now. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I went to my GP and I said to him eventually, because, you know, it's, you start thinking there's something wrong with you. And my husband would think there's something wrong with him. Mm. And he would say, you know, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? But then I would always try and reassure him and say, it's not you. It's definitely me. There's a problem with me, but I don't know what it is. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, when when we were young, when I know when I was a teenager, my mother didn't talk about sex. My, she didn't even tell me about my period. She didn't nothing. So everything was self-taught. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you you don't always necessarily learn <clears throat> how other girls would learn, and especially being in an Afrikaans household, I'm sure Elise you would know. I agree. You know, Afrikaans women uh, or uh, older women of extremely conservative. I mean, I'm conservative, and I'm living in 2021. Um, 
But I'm open in that side Where I have discussions like that with my kids It's important that they mm. know mm. Um, They must get the information from me I don't want them to get the information from Someone um, else or, or on their phones yes. At a party yes. um, Something that's know, not realistic Because uh, what know, you see that's not how in that it happens. movie That's not real life Yeah, exactly That's exactly. not real life So anyway, my GP did some blood tests And he said to me You have almost non-existent testosterone and at that stage he was able to give me an injection um, and I think I was able to get two injections from him and then they stopped it the GPs couldn't give it anymore and he gave me a cream they ordered cream for me and that cream was uh, really doesn't do anything well it did absolutely nothing for me but you picked up all the all the shortcomings that I had so for me it's absolutely um, where I am today to where I was even a year ago is it's unreal for me it's what, uh, Elise? What was the process? What w- w- you know? But we, Renee, we've walked a, a, a journey with you guys now for Almost, more than a year. It's about a year, yes. Um, and you know, it, uh, this is something that that people need to understand. This takes time. It's mm. the journey. It's 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 time. Patience yes. and time. That's what you need when when you want to embark on this. And I just want to reiterate, Renee was totally anorgasmic. She never experienced even sensations that can say, okay, there's something happening. So let's here. let's go and explore those mm. um, the causes of anorgasmia. So we know that. Orgasm involves the vascular system. We need blood flow. We need the neurological system, the brain. And we need hormones. All three of those have to be so Beautifully balanced mm. it, it is a symphony Of things that happen And they happen in specific orders um, The last time we spoke About the female orgasm We spoke about The four stages There's desire Elise, just remind desire me There's desire or, first Or excitement Then arousal And then arousal and then orgasm, and then resolution. So there's different hormones and different neurotransmitters that play a role in these. So with desire, we have testosterone. Yeah. Arousal, our neurotransmitters become Important. So neurotransmitters being the chemical messengers, dopamine, serotonin, melatonin, sun, melatonin, oxytocin. Then you have your um, plateau phase. No, you have your orgasm phase. Okay. And okay. then resolution then afterwards. Resolution. Yeah. So during orgasm, and this is why... why uh, I say, and at least you will agree with this, um, and Renee, you, I think you can attest to this. After your orgasm, mm. the release of endorphins, um, dopamine, is 
so great that it contributes to pain relief, well-being, mm. etc., etc. So, Elise, let's go into uh, yes, into let's, those let's stages. Let's start with Renee's journey first. I think Renee can help us with how we started. The first thing that we did is we looked at all the organ systems through the blood tests. And there we picked up that there's an imbalance in her sexual hormones at that stage. I can't remember, was there a cholesterol prob- problem as well? Um, a slight one, yes. Slight. Yeah. There were uh, iron, vitamin D. Yes. Mm-hmm. Estrogen. Um, and estrogen, testosterone. testosterone yes. All low. Yes. All low. And then we started the journey, but we... we had, what people need to understand is there is a simultaneous, a parallel type of treatment plan that we follow. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it absolutely perfect with mm. Renee. Mm. You did. <laughs> we Thank you. But we did it perfectly because you were open. Yes. Um, mm. To to the experience, Chris. You had this as well. Absolutely. When we started with your journey. Yeah. Um, it's, this is not only a journey for women, but it is a journey. So the first thing, Elisa, I want to actually go back before we looked at um, the bloods. We, we took a very, I hope, I, I, mm. I think you, you felt it, uh, a very detailed medical history. Absolutely. Um, you know what I always say to people after 15 minutes, uh, I know more about my patients than most of their family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I agree. And, and some of the questions that, that Elise asked me, I was so uncomfortable. I was like so embarrassed. I was embarrassed because you, because it's something that you think, I can't talk about this. It's, you know, it's my business. I feel uncomfortable telling you. And today, I mean, it's not even today. A year you're on radio. Can I can I just point that out? <laughs> you're talking. You're on radio talking about it. Exactly. And you weren't and scared I to never talk about it. Exactly. In, yeah. I never would have thought that. I, I would think, have said you never. Yeah. Well, I never think happened. what is also very important to know is that Dr. Mark and myself are not scared to push the boundaries mm-hmm. to get to the right information. We. We start, and I want to point this out to people, we start with very open-ended questions. Mm. I always ask, has your libido changed? And with that, I mean, are you thinking about sexual encounters? Are you fantasizing less than you used to? Or are you not fantasizing? Are you not thinking about sex? That's libido. And then I ask about your sex drive. All I I ask is... Stop you. At that question, you can see how they pause for about 10 seconds. Am I allowed to think about this? I've never thought of this. I've never thought about... I I think that's the key. I've never thought about it. Mm. You know, where did that go to? I'm, I'm going to give you a little tip to everyone out there. It is 60% easier to achieve an orgasm if you visualized it or fantasize about a specific person, your partner, whoever... You, Jackman. Um, uh, before, no, that's okay. <laughs> before you um, engage in in the physical activity, mm. 
you know, it's just focus on, oh my God, this is going to be great. Um, well, once you've had the orgasm I'm like me, then you definitely fantasize I'm, about You know, it's now I, I've lost my place. Where was I? I'm thinking about Aquaman. You, want, you, want to, <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to give him a tip. You wanted to that give was him the tip. That was the tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what um, I okay, Think about Aquaman. That's the answer. <laughs> Should the three of us talk amongst ourselves while Mark has his moment? <laughs> Um, Aquaman okay. Yeah, was well, on a so, movie the other day And my husband said, that's the guy that you like eh? <laughs> Well, I, I have to be honest Your husband is as tall as and as good looking so. Oh, well, that's what I'll keep telling him I don't know um, why he feels insecure about it <laughs> then, You know, then I ask about sex drive mm. And this is how often we want to Or do engage in sexual activities. Now, this is not necessarily intercourse. Yeah. Um, this can be stroking. Um, this can be masturbation. Sex drive is how often do we initiate um, sex? Uh, you know, it, we had a patient and it was brilliant. I, 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 you know, it, I looked at it and I just burst out laughing when she told us this. Um, this was a patient again, same as you, and she came and said to me, um, you know, I need to send my husband to you because now when I take him my, his tea with my bra off, uh, you know what, he just takes the tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's those kind of things. Yeah, that's sex drive. Then we talk about how do we lubricate? Are we still lubricating? Mm, no. So it's an open, <laughs> not <it's> anymore. An <laughs> open-ended question. You know, it, um, and then is there any pain? Mm. Is there pain during intercourse? But not only pain, discomfort. Mm. People need to understand there's a difference between pain and discomfort. Mm. Let's explore that, Elise, because pain um, is we physical. You can't. I know. I know. We we this. have different types of pain, and you know, but in um, in female sexual interest and arousal disorder, one of the uh, three legs of that is um, genital penetration pain or discomfort. All three of those leads to an avoidance. Now, Correct. there can be vi- a, a, a few reasons for this. So let's start with the most obvious one. The discomfort. The discomfort. Why is it discomfort? Why? Because we don't lubricate. We don't lubricate. We are not our uh, vagina structures, whatever you want to call it, is not engorged enough. Mm. Your vagina hasn't elongated to accept the penis mm. because of you're not emotion- dysfunction and you're mm. not emotionally ready and you are mm. not emotionally ready. So this is this is again where we go desire. Mm. I want sex, mm. arousal, where we now start seeing physical changes, more blood flow. To the vaginal or the pelvic area, engorgement of the labia, engorgement of the clitoris. Um, so let's let's go on to the biggest reasons that most of our listeners will have pain, and this or discomfort, and this is because of vaginal dryness, which is the result of hormonal deficiencies or imbalances. Good. And Renee. 
you had vaginal dryness. Absolutely, it was it was like a desert. <laughs> it's literally. Okay. And, um, you know, but when we started balancing the hormones, because that's what we started with first, yes. was balancing of your hormones. Yes. Did uh, that start making a difference for you? Definitely, especially with uh, the vaginal rejuvenation that I also did. Okay, so that's okay, that's so one that's of our. That's why I say we had with Renee, we did the parallel parallel yeah. treatments. Mm. Um, so when we sp- speak about re- vaginal rejuvenation, people think about okay, I, I I get it neatened up and tightened. That's not that's not what we did in our practice. We looked at the functioning of the mucosal membranes. Um, blood flow, etc., etc., and we used something that is. I, I think just to add to that, how do we look at it? We do a physical examination always, and this is what Cecilies does, and one of the things that Cecilies does so beautifully. Renee, mm. you've been to many gynies. Oh. Um, it's like having a, a, a mother yes. just guide you a, a, along. This and you know what I get well, that from so many of so my I can't patients. really blame them, but I mean they are after all a doctor for a woman specifically, and they should be able to help you. But no. they're not really interested. It's they. Re- I think they just want to be popping out the babies for the woman, and that's it. <laughs> so at least what we did is we did the renew her shot. We did, um, and that. Is platelet? Yeah, that's platelet-rich plasma. The beautiful thing about it is, it's your own. It Natural. comes from your body, and you know, it goes back into your body. But mm. oh wow, I what an absolute wonderful treatment! I think you have. Renee can can attest to how it changed her physically. So let's, let Renee, let's explain that. And tell us about I the procedure. Tell you how. What I saw physically Yes, okay. please tell me Because I can't see what you see <laughs> So tell us about this procedure In your words, your recollection of this mm. procedure Well, I mean, initially when, when Elise told me what to expect I was quite hesitant um, Because you immediately think Okay, well, the, being dry and already trying to get the penis in there Is, is already painful So this needle in there is going to be Terrible, but actually, well, I just covered my face. <laughs> the first I just, time, <laughs> I just covered my face with a blanket so that I don't. It's like if you don't see it, you're not going to feel it. Almost. <laughs> but I think a lot of women do that <laughs> in more than one way. Circumstance. <laughs> um, but it wasn't. It's. I mean, it's. It's not. Um, it doesn't hurt, but you can feel it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable Yes But it's not uncomfortable To a point where you can say uh, I don't want to do it again mm. Mm. You know um, So absolutely I would always endorse it I'll have it again So let, let's just quickly Touch on what Platelet rich plasma is mm. Um you know, and Chris, we've often spoke, oh, spoken yeah, about yeah. this. Um, platelet rich plasma is where we harvest the plasma component, um, uh, with platelets. Um, and the platelets is what gives us the regeneration by releasing growth factors mm-hmm. that stimulate repair of tissue, specifically vascular tissue. So we have a, an influx of new blood vessels, um, 
and that helps uh, with blood flow in the area, decreases inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. So we use it for various reasons, Mm. for dinal dryness, a little bit of stress incontinence uh, or urinary incontinence. And it gives you volume. Um, Tightening. Yes, volume in there. So you can, when you have intercourse, you can actually feel it and enjoy it. Okay. So, Elise... What did what did you see? You know, it, um, a, a menopausal vagina. Okay, explain. A menopausal vagina. Um, with my physical examination, I see a typical white, powdery discharge, and that is what we call thrush, and it's a low level. Um, I don't want to call it infection. It's just a discharge. Yeah, but that can lead to. Um, a more serious condition And then you get um, Extensive infection From this thrush Urinary tract infections Urinary tract infections Because it's a um, retrograde infection That you get Ascending, from yeah. Ascending one um, that's typically what I and and uh, I'm sorry to be frank, but with a with a postmenopausal woman, you don't have a vagina that has got the natural folds in the skin, which is needed to lengthen the vagina as well oh, as okay. to clean the vagina because the vagina cleans itself. It's like a self-cleaning oven. Yeah. If it's, <laughs> If it's if it's healthy, it cleans itself. Go away, Chris. <laughs> I'm just seeing the square thing. Now. No, you need your Mister Mini to come in. <laughs> in any case, and also um, then you have like a um, maybe a smooth vaginal wall mm. without the folds in it. Okay. And then you've got the gaping because of it's not the tube, the back and the front wall of the vagina is not touching each other. Ah, so it, it's, it's opening. It's, it's like it's sleeping. An old man sleeping on his chair. It's opening slightly. Yes. <laughs> Open mouth. <laughs> gaping. Now, as soon as, and that's why Renee talks about the volume. <coughs> Sorry about that. And that's what I see in a, in a, um, postmenopausal vagina. And that's where the PRP comes in. Is you inject it in certain areas in the vagina and it starts rejuvenating. And then after the third treatment, and that's very important, people need to understand it's not an overnight fix. It's regenerative it's medicine. It's regenerative medicine. It fixes over time. And mm-hmm. it, fi- it takes four to six weeks for new cells, new vessels, new Whatever to form with this regenerative tree. Renee, when did you start experiencing the first changes? Uh, well, definitely uh, the third one I had, I think, in January, January end of January. Correct. And um, it, probably in March. Yes. Around about March, I'd say. So it's about six months. Yes. Since it. the first treatment. Yeah. Um, so your, your regeneration start happening around four to six weeks, but your body heals only mm. nine months after. Proper healing is nine months after an, an induced injury. Let me Rene, say I'm going to ask way. this question. Mm. Is it getting better? Yes. 
<laughs> See, this is the thing. And it's, again, I'm circling back. It's practice. Yes. You know, yes. It, now you're experiencing feelings, sensations that you haven't had. Yes. Um, it's nice. Um, and you practice. Mm. She's now, she's over that scary thought of, uh, yes. I can't do this. Yes. She initiates. Oh, I shouldn't be doing yes. this. Yeah, well, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> okay. So. The other thing that we did was hormone optimization therapy for you, and I call it optimization therapy, not replacement, mm. because it's about creating balance between all the different hormone systems. Yes. And this is something that we see so clearly, especially in our perimenopausal women. So this the women age 43 to 50, mm. um, where they're not menopausal, their hormones, estrogen, uh, follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone are still normal, but they have a sharp decline up to 50% in testosterone. And no one looks at testosterone. Um, so the balance between these, the sex hormones are out. Right. And that creates an imbalance in neurotransmitters and how it functions. Yes. Um, what we did with you is you were <laughs> in, um, I want to call it a medically induced menopause because of contraceptives. Mm. Um, Although I only used contraceptives when I was much younger and not at all after I had my kids. My, my husband elected to go for a vasectomy after my baby was born. And um, yes, so... We're very fortunate in that sense that we don't have to use any, because I mean, we're so loyal. We don't have to use anything else. Okay. For me, um, Elise, and I think you will agree with us, Chris, you can weigh in here as well. Hormone optimization therapy is not the beginning and end of, but it's a, a bloody big part of um, mm. getting your sex life back because it works on desire, it works um, on function. Renee said to me before we started this morning is um remember that she said she she wanted energy and motivation. That's why she came and saw us. But as soon as we started with hormone optimization therapy, that was the first that she felt mm. is that I can focus again. I've got mm. energy. Absolutely. I've got motivation. I mean, I'll say that a hundred times. Mm. Yeah. You go onto the hormone treatments, and you. And in my case, it was testosterone. It was absolutely amazing. Mm. In a very short space of time, Correct. how it changed my life, and it mm. changed it completely. I was awake. I could think clearly. That fog had lifted. I had energy. I felt I could compete again. It was amazing. Absolutely, well, because yeah. it's not just, sorry about that, um, it's not just about the sex part of it. No. Because people just automatically think, okay, testosterone is all just about jumping in bed and no. you're having a good time. It's, it's not. It's It's really yeah. feeling good about yourself yeah. and, you know, the motivation to do the things from day to day. I mean, before uh, it really started working for me, I had to take a nap every single day. Mm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to function yes. the entire day. I don't have to do that anymore. And and in the interim, you've also now slowed down where I only where I used to get my treatments every week. It's only ten every ten days now, mm. and I go to the gym five days a week. Mm. 
So self-confidence will yes. improve. Yeah. Yes. These, uh, and we're fast running out of time. These, these two big things that I want to touch on, two major contributing factors to sexual dysfunction. And those are antidepressants, especially your SSRIs, yep. um, because they decrease sexual desire and the ability to get aroused. Mm. Now, I've, I've said this, um, in the, my discussions on real health, um, that this is probably one of the biggest contributing factors to depression and anxiety, especially in younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'm depressed and anxious. Um, and now I'm on medication to treat that, which causes erectile dysfunction or which causes sexual, um, decreased sexual arousal or desire. And, um, that makes me anxious and that has a, a, an impact on my personal relationship and on my intimate relationships, yeah, yeah. which leads to further anxiety and depression. Can I, can I um, just ask that Renee, um, just tells us I'm sorry I, I think see we're running out of time and I want to touch on this is where she started with her orgasms and um, where she is now you mm. know was it yes it's like I can't get enough <laughs> <laughs> once you've tasted it it's absolutely wonderful um, I think perhaps four months ago five months ago no it could be a little bit more yeah it's longer it's like I think in in March, round about yes. February or March. Oh yes, you see what happened was when I had the vaginal rejuvenation, you gave me the Kegel balls, correct, and to use. <laughs> but I really didn't like them. I felt it felt very. I don't know. It was just a strange sensation for me. So I went online and I bought something that is silicone um, Kegel balls, and it's it's. Um, automate, automatic or whatever you call it. Ah, so it's got so it's remote control. <laughs> well, you, no, it's not. You, you switch it on and then you, you insert it and you keep it in and stay, it goes off after the 20 minutes. It switches itself okay. off. Yeah. And you can select different settings as well. So when I bought that, I bought a little toy with it <laughs> okay, yeah. to stimulate the clitoris. Yeah. And I didn't use it because I felt very strange. But then, like six months ago, um, I said to my husband, let's try it as well. Um, and that's when it happened. It was just... I wish you could see Renee's well, face. No, it was unreal. Beautiful. It was it's unreal. Beautiful. But I know I don't always use it because I don't want my husband to feel like... You know, I can only reach it when he's there. The, I, I want to interject here. Very few women. You are not alone. And guys, suck it up. Very, very few women can achieve an orgasm through penetration alone. Yes. If you want to pleasure your partner, mm. think about them first and do... Um, Clitoral stimulation, mm-hmm. either orally, manually, or that's um, what he does now. Bring in a toy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does now. So to try and replace that, and then it's oh, yes, and it's fun it's, for him too. Yes, let's face it, it is. Yeah, it is. you know what? The interesting thing is, you do not need a a, 
uh, an erect heart penis to have a phenomenally good sexual experience for exactly. both partners. Exactly. Um, so, Renee, I want to thank you. I, I think at some point we will continue this discussion. Thank you for thank you. Um, being brave enough to share your experience with other people. Thank you. Um, Chris, um, it's been four years. Uh, we, we came at, to the end of a journey. You were the person that initiated yep. this. I thank you. Um, it's been great. Um, we became from um, interviewer into um, listening to uh, Patience to friends. Thank yep. you very much. It's been a um, wonderful journey and I've loved every moment of it. Thank, thank you, you, Mark. Thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity. Um, next week we'll be back. Um, the format of the show is changing a little bit. We have um, a, a sponsor. MediHelp will be sponsoring the show. Um, and that uh, ushered in a couple of changes. Um, we'll be back next week, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock. Um, Chris, good luck with uh, the campaign. Thank There's you. a couple of weeks left. Uh, Renee, thank you. Travel safe. Um, Elise, you. I will have you back in studio next week. Thank you, Renee. Thank from you, my side. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And if I can help anybody out there, it's it's absolutely worth it. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Have a Thank good you. one. You too. Thanks. Bye bye. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.